Jeremiah chapter 30 and 31. Um, you know, I, I was talking to one pastor. He talked to the book of Jeremiah. And they were teaching five chapters every study. Five chapters. And so they're jamming through it. And so you guys know, right? There's different ways to study the Bible. You can jam through it and maybe not go in depth. And I think you're going to get a good uh, bird's eye view of it. You can dive in and we can teach one chapter uh, per week. That would take an entire year uh, pretty much to go through Jeremiah. So it's tough. But but I will say this, that you know the, the main thing when you're going through the book of Jeremiah is understanding that he, he was known as the weeping prophet. And he wept over his people because they never, they never repented. They never got right with God. And for 40 years, he was warning them, you need to get right with God or else Babylon is going to come and judgment will take place. And they didn't listen. And so you guys know the dates. In uh, 605 BC, the Babylonians came for their first time. They carried away Daniel and some of the treasures of Jerusalem and then they still wouldn't listen. So 597, they came again. They took Ezekiel that time and treasures from Jerusalem. But the people still wouldn't listen. And so in 586 BC, they came for that final time and they just leveled the land. And so let me just begin by saying this, that if you're here and you're not a Christian, man, you got to come to the Lord. You got to give your life to Christ. You know, I've taught to people who attend this church and I know, you know, I love them. I love them. But I'm like, man, I don't think they're saved. They have been coming to this church for years. And I don't think they're saved. Now, I'm just a man and I could be wrong, right? Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.19, the Lord knows those who are his. But some people, they come to church and they even serve in ministry. And I don't think they're saved. I don't know if they're saved. There's no fruit. There's no desire. They don't want to pray. They don't want to read. They don't want to talk about the Lord. I mean, and, and, and you wonder, Lord, where are they? So I don't know. Like, I could yell louder. Maybe I'll get their attention. I don't know what to do. I mean, we've got to keep praying, right? But, but I just want to say that. Because maybe if you're out there and that's you, that you'll just, you'll give your heart to Christ. Some people come to church and they're living in sin every single day. And they know it and the Holy Spirit keeps talking to them and they won't do what they need to do to get right with God. If that's you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You have to get right with God because otherwise you're going to experience unnecessary judgment. Now, the crazy thing about this section here in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, when we get there, he's saying, I've lo I love you. I, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And so the, the motive of the message is, you know, I, I love you guys. Uh, the Lord loves you. I love you. None of us are perfect here, but if you're lifting in persistent, consistent, insistent, resistant sin, then there's no assurance, number one, of your salvation. And if you are a Christian, let me tell you, your father, he will deal with you and he will discipline you. And Jeremiah, he, he, he's trying to share that with the people. They won't listen. 
And so we're going to see today that, you know, God gives this message to the Jews. Now, the interesting thing, you guys got to know this because um, the Jews, last time we read in Jeremiah 29, 11, do you guys remember what that verse says? You guys remember Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, you know, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah 29, if you go back there, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You know, God had these plans for Israel. God was thinking about them. And just like I think we need to know God has plans for us, now, I'm curious. Let me just ask you a question. If I, the Lord could show you like your future, like everything about your future, like all the, the days ahead, and then, you know, how you would die and everything like that. I'm just curious. Any of you interested in seeing that ahead of time? Nope. I'm just curious. <laughs> Some people will probably be, yeah, that, that'd be kind of cool. You know, get a... a <laughs> Well, that's kind of what God did with Israel in a general sense. Uh, he told them, um, you're going to suffer. You are going to suffer. And you know what he tells them? It's called Jacob's trouble. It is heavy, the suffering that they would experience. But God said, you're going to survive that. And then you're going to come into this place it's called the millennial kingdom where David will reign and then after that, you know, we'll be in glory forever. So I, I don't know the details of your life, but I, I, I bet you I can, I can say one thing that's, a, that's ahead. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You know, and you might think, well, it's not that big of a deal, and I'm sure it won't hurt me too bad because I have high you know, tolerance for pain. I mean, if you're a Christian, if you're God's people, then the devil hates you. And believe you me, he's going to find out what causes you pain, how he can make you suffer. And, and this is what happens a lot of times. You know, um, Matthew 4 talks about the seed falling on different types of soil. Uh, some people, they walk away from the Lord. They walk away from the Lord. You know, and I, I don't know. Some people say, well, they were never saved. I don't know. But all I know is that if you know going into it, and then if you know if you go through it, that you're going to be good, I think that's part of the reason why the Lord tells the Jews this. He tells us this because of the fact that, you know, when you know that you come out as conquerors in the end, through all the suffering, you won't lose heart. You know, I was talking to a man right here. Um, this man had been a Christian for many, many years. He even wrote a book. Think about that. Uh, he's an author. He's a Christian author. He hasn't been to church in two years. And he says, I'm in a dark place. I can't die like this because I don't know where I'll go. So all I'm saying is that for us, you know, we have to look at this and know this is what God is telling Israel. Don't lose heart. Even though you're going to go through suffering, I've got good plans for you. I also think when you read the Bible and regarding Israel, it's kind of cool because 
Have you guys ever heard that saying, like, we know where we are in prophetic, uh, in the prophetic calendar by looking at Israel and looking at Jerusalem? It's like uh, Israel is the, the big hand, and Jeru- I mean, the, the little hand. No, the big hand, Jerusalem is the little hand, something like that. You know, the, you, you can see exactly where we are. And so now that Israel's back in the land after 1948, um, we see what's going on there now, even between Russia and Iran and all these things, you know, um, I think that it helps us in the prophetic view. And so we're going to look at stuff like that. We're going to kind of jam through it because it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward, to be honest. So uh, Jeremiah 30, look at verse 1. It, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words they have spoken to you. And so the Lord tells Jeremiah to write these things down. Aren't you guys glad he did? Because <laughs> we have it. It was written down for us. And it says in verse 3, For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. Remember we saw last time, Jeremiah 29, they're in Babylon. They're going to be there for 70 years. But God says, I'm going to bring them back to the land. And it's interesting, you're going to see the emphasis throughout this section, not just Judah, Israel too. Now, some people, just in case you've heard of it, some people say that there are the lost 10 tribes of Israel and they got they got they got eradicated, you know, they were assimilated into society and now we only have the two tribes, you know, Judah and Benjamin. But but no, you're going to see an emphasis on here. And plus you see it in the book of Revelation when the 12 tribes are mentioned, no. God is going to, he has preserved his people, Israel, and he will bring them all back. Israel, Judah, southern kingdom, northern kingdom, he's going to bring them back. But this is not just the Babylonian captivity. We're going to see it's bigger than that. Because notice it says right here, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Now, these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with a child. So, So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turned pale? Alas, for that day is great, so that there is that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now, Jeremiah would have never thought that we would come to a place in society where they say a man can have a baby. <laughs> But nowadays with the crazy, um, absolutely insane, you know, the trans movement, you know, no, uh, a man can never have a child. That's a little side note there. But but one of the things basically he's saying is that you ladies know, how many of you ladies, you know, I'm talking about, I won't make you raise hands, but it hurt, huh, when you had a kid, didn't it hurt? And so what is what he's saying right here? Man, you would have never, these guys, I've, I'm seeing these guys and they are in anguish. They are in pain like a woman, you know, giving birth. 
And, and, he, and he's saying, what is going on here? Verse 7, for alas, that day is great, so there's none like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. What that is in reference to is the tribulation period. So next on the prophetic calendar, the rapture of the church, either that or the Russian invasion of Israel. We don't know which one comes first, but it can happen any day. I was reading it today in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, in the twinkling of an eye, one eleventh of a second, we're going to get raptured out, just like Enoch was. We're going to get raptured out, and then begins the seven-year tribulation, the last seven years period spoken of in Daniel 9, 24, through 27. This is Jacob's trouble, and there's going to be uh, so much suffering. Uh, Two-thirds of Israel will die. Now, many of them will be saved, because there are going to be 144,000 Jews, like Paul the Apostle, preaching the gospel. So many of them are going to be saved. And so you're thinking, well, two-thirds of Israel, well, that's a lot of people. Yeah, much of planet Earth will die during the tribulation period. So it's not just the Jews, but that's what's ahead. You know, all the things that we see going on now, like people are mocking God, doing their own thing. You know, the, the whole reason that we have that June humility, you know, thing, it's nothing fancy, but basically, you know, one, you know, you take maybe 10 minutes a day, you know, you look at the verse, you, you, you read through the little devo there, it's really short, you look at the quote and you just ask God to humble you. Because when there's power in humility. What the world is doing is they're trying to elevate pride and that's the antithesis to God. I mean, Jesus himself humbled himself and then the Father exalted him. And so, you know, if we can humble ourselves, humble ourselves as a church to the point, as a society, to the point where we would say, I'm not God. I, I don't, I'm not the one who determines what's right or wrong. God does. God says, I made a male, I made them female. God says, no homosexual will enter the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. God said that. Romans chapter 1 says, men with men, women with women. That's shameful. And so, you know, we love people. We respect their freedom to not follow God, right? And so, you know, there's no one. I've, I've met many people, different views. I mean, you're talking atheists, Muslims. I mean, you name it, you know, gay, all that. I love them all, love them all. But what they're asking us to do is not just tal- tolerate, but celebrate and, and just shut your mouth. Don't say anything, right? That's what they're telling us to do. And here, let me educate your children and if you don't like what we're the agenda that we're pushing on them from all these different angles I mean, we're talking everywhere then um you know you're you're wrong it's you shouldn't fight it and and so what we're trying to do is we're just saying lord no i mean you're you're god what, we, what we're doing right here is we're trying to humble ourselves to the point where basically hey god is god and so right here, when, when the Lord is saying, hey, this is going to happen to you, Jacob's trouble, tribulation, period, it, you know, God is definitely going to humble the Jews. Today, 25% of Israel is atheists. Atheists. And you go to Israel today, and you'll see the Jews, and there's a lot of Orthodox Jews, they absolutely hate it 
when you share Jesus with anyone. So even though Israel's in the land, they're not saved. They're going to have to go through this. God is going to have to deal with them, just like everyone else, in order to break them and bring them to that place of absolute surrender. So right here, verse 7, it says, it's the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass, it says in verse 8, in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck. I will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. And so again, going through the tribulation period, but he shall be saved out of it, verse 7. And then he goes on to say that God breaks the yoke from these other nations. And it's so cool, verse 9, what a glorious day that will be, you guys. What a glorious day that they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king. Now, who do you think David is? How many of you say Jesus? How many of you say David? David is David. I'm just curious. A lot of people believe it's literally David. Now, we don't know for sure, but if you read Ezekiel 40 and talks about the prince and, and he's there, uh, a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors believe it's literally David. Because think about it. During the tribulation, I mean, during the millennial kingdom, we will be ruling and reigning with Christ as kings and priests. And so it's interesting. Now, of course, Jesus will be the king of the world. But many people believe that David will be there uh, along with the 12 apostles ruling there in, in, in Israel and Jerusalem. So anyways, uh, I, I think that's like a 50-50 chance. As I was reading it, and I'm like, wow, a lot of solid teachers believe it's just like it says right there, David. But that's going to be pretty exciting. Think about that. And so he says, therefore, do not fear, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for before, behold, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return, have rest and quiet, and no one shall make him afraid. Why? How can that pos- How can it happen? There it is in verse 11. For I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. And, and you know, just as a real quick side note and a pause right there, um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you're a Christian, what did Jesus say? I am with you for how long? Always, except for what you're going through right now. Right? No, I'm just joking. He didn't say that, right? <laughs> Hebrews 13:5. he will never leave you nor forsake you. Others might not be with you. You wonder, hey, what happened to <laughs> The Lord says, hey, I'm with you. He's talking to Israel, first of all. I'm with you. And he says, though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you, but I will correct you in justice and will not let you go altogether unpunished. And so I'll tell you what, man, and like I was talking about earlier, some people walking away from the Lord, and you know, I'll tell you what, it's hard to walk away from the Lord, if that's possible, man, but, you know, because God will go after you, and God will deal with you, and God will just chase you, and, you know, right here, this is what he does for, for Israel, you know, and he's going to make an end of all these other 
nations in one sense, um, but but Israel, no. And and for us, I think it's important to have this peace, this assurance regarding the future that that's how God is with us. Uh, I'm going to deal with you, and I'm going to correct you. Uh, I might you know punish you in that sense, but um, you're going to come back to where you need to be. There might be some of you out there who have drifted away from God, and you need to you need to own this tonight. God is not done with you. For thus says the Lord, verse 12, your affliction is incurable, at least by man. Your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you. For I have allowed this to happen, wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. And so they, they, there was, there, this was, there was no other way for them to get right. It was like incurable. You guys can't do it. There's no man on earth that, that can do it. This is the only way that I can deal with you. I will purge you of your idolatry in Babylon and I will bring you to faith in my son after the great tribulation period. And sometimes that's what God does. It's in phases. You know, this happens and God takes it away and then eventually he brings you to that place. And it's interesting, even the lovers that are stripped away from them. Some of you guys can relate to that, you know, where you lost that individual and they were supposed to love you for the rest of your life and, and you found out that their love wasn't real. One of the things that we're going to see in our text today is so beautiful, God's love is. His love, we're going to see in Jeremiah 31.3, is an everlasting love. And so God will bring us through. And God, look, it says in verse 15, why, why do you cry about your affliction? Your, your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. I have done these things to you. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured. And all your adversaries, every one of them shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall be plundered. And all who prey upon you, I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, this is Zion. No one seeks her. And yet, God does go after you. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we see here. You know, if I could just say this, I do want to say this because it's heavy on my heart and I think about it a lot. You know, it seems like, like all of our prayer requests are for people to get healthy physically. I understand that. I understand that, that you, you know, it's that kind of like an opportunity, oh, so-and-so is sick, so-and-so, you know, this is happening and, and all that. And so there's a f- health, 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 physical health, health, health. And that's okay. But l- let me just ask you guys something. If you're submitting a prayer request for somebody who's suffering physically, do me a favor. Make sure part of that prayer request is that they could be healthy. Someone could be healthy. Sometimes it's for their, for, their, their, for their family to get healthy spiritually. Because I believe God would not allow anything to happen physically 
unless he wants to do something spiritually. And so make sure you don't forget that. When you're praying for your loved one who's going through this health issue, don't, whatever you do, don't just pray for their physical healing. There's something deeper that God wants to do. I'm not saying they're in sin. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is there's something deeper that God wants to do. And that's what he says right there, verse 17, for I will restore health to you. What kind of health? Spiritual health. Spiritual health. And I want that. You know, I want to be spiritually healthy, strong, vibrant, right? God says, I'm going to do this for you. God will do that. And you know, it's so cool how the Lord, they, they said, oh, God's given up on Zion. You know, today, again, I want to equip you with this truth that we do not believe in replacement theology. We don't. The replacement theology says that the church has replaced Israel. And so now when we read about, you know, the promises for Israel and stuff like that, it's just for the church. No, we have been grafted in, the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, we've been grafted in, but we have not been replaced Israel. And so we get to receive the benefits, the promises, the love. It's a beautiful thing in the covenant, but God still... I mean, they're, they're like a testimony. You see Israel in the land today, 1948? You see them there? They got the land after close to 2,000 years. They were all over the world. They got the land again, fulfillment of Ezekiel 36 and 37. You know what that is? That's a message, number one. God's word is true. You can't deny it. But number two, God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on you. You might be here today and just be honest. You don't even pray with your wife. You don't really pray with your wife. Why not? And you think you're, you're good with God? You don't pray with your wife? You don't pray with your kids? I mean, you know, for us, again, I don't think it's a... It's a personal conviction. I think that's something that, that the Lord wants. And, and then I would say it's more important than anything else. I wake up in the morning, I read my Bible by myself, I pray, you know, and then it's more important than going to the gym. It's more important than going to work. It's more important than having breakfast. You know, so all I'm saying is that if that's us, God wants to make us healthy. I want to make us strong. I, I want that. Verse 16, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places. The city shall be built upon its own mound and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. And you see that in Ezekiel 40, um, the temple also, not just the temple, but the palace and verse 18 is interesting. It's, it's really talking about literally happening physically there in Jerusalem. We're going to see it later at the end of chapter 31 as well. He mentions some of the places there in Jerusalem. It's not just symbolic. It's literal that this will be rebuilt. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of those who make merry. I will multiply them and they shall not diminish I will also glorify them and they shall not be small. Their, their children also shall be as before and their congregation shall be established before me. 
and I will punish all who oppress them. Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their their midst, and then I will cause him to draw near. It's so cool reading this about the governor, and he shall approach me. Wouldn't that be cool if our governor got saved? Oh, man. Lord, get him, Lord. And he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? I love verse 22. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. What does that sound like? Revelation 21, verse 3, there in heaven. You know, and I love the way the Lord is. You're mine, and I'm yours. It's beautiful. Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he has done it and until he has performed the intents of his heart. You know, like, can you picture the Lord like a whirlwind? You know, my brother Abel sometimes uses that phrase, he says, God's out of control. I, I think he means it different than we might think, but it's just like God is just like this whirlwind. And, and you know, you're looking at these promises for, for Israel, and, and it's going to happen. And it's going to happen for us as well. And notice what it says, though, as we get into chapter 31. It says, in the latter days, though, at the end of 30, in the latter days, you will consider it. And so the latter days, what, what's that pointing to? It's pointing to the last of the last days. So we're talking about end times prophecy. We're not talking about something that happened back then, you know, in, uh, in, in you know, the Babylonian captivity returning. I mean, it, t- it touched on that briefly, but we're talking about this whole future prophecy and, and he picks it up that way in verse 1 of chapter 31. It says, at the same time. So latter days, okay, at the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Isn't that a beautiful verse? How many of you guys like that verse? I'm just curious. <laughs> it's a beautiful verse, huh? It doesn't even sound like it belongs in the book of Jeremiah. Because you're like, man, what are you talking about? Jeremiah, so far up to this point, all he's done is socked him in the face. You know, it's like he just hit him hard. You got to get right. Judgment's coming. Repent, you know, this and that. You're going to get judged. But you have to understand, and that's why we have to think differently. It's, a, it's an expression of God's love. And, and this love that he has for his people, you can go back to eternity, and you, I don't know, I know it blows your mind, the vanishing point. He's always loved you, always loved you. You can look back and you discover he's always loved you. You can look up right now. And some of you guys, you're messed up. I'm messed up. Right now, you're even kind of wondering, man, I hope the roof doesn't fall down or something. I, I, I don't know if God loves me right now. And there might be a couple of things going on in your mind. Number one, because you know that you haven't been reading and praying and you know done all that stuff that you're supposed to do and 
whatever, the husband, the wife, the different roles and responsibilities, titles and tasks that we have. And so you're like, I don't know if God loves me right now because I'm not really being all that. Uh, and you also might be questioning God's love because not, you're, not just that you're, being, you're not being all that, because of all that you're going through. You mean to tell me that, that, that God loves me? Yes. We're going to talk about this. Right now, all the way back, eternity, right now, and then all the way future, no matter what, no matter what, he will always love you. God says, I, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And with that loving kindness, I've drawn you to me. You know, when I, when I think of this, a couple of verses come to mind. Watch, go to John chapter 13. And there's so much we can say about that verse. But we're, we're limited on time, and I have plans that in and out later. So <laughs> I don't want to eat it too late, you know. John chapter 13. Look, it says in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, when, when, when it, he, he knew that his hour had come, okay, you Bible scholars, what's he talking about? He's going to get nailed to a cross. He's going to be flogged, and he's going to suffer and be marred more than any man, separated from his Father and bear the sins of the world. So if you knew that was going to happen to you, I wonder what you'd be doing. <laughs> he knew his hour had come that he could, should depart uh, from the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Judas, Peter, all the motley crew, he loved them all. He loved, that's why he went to the cross. You know, one translation says he loved them to the uttermost. My translation says he loved them to the guttermost. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. The only question is whether or not you will allow that love to sink in. I'll tell you what. I told you guys many times. The fear of God changes us from the outside. It's a good thing. But the love of God will transform you from the inside. You know, our love falls short. Pastors, people, you know, Christians, we all fall short. His love never will. Bank on that love. Draw from that bank. You know, in Romans chapter 8, you know, he talks about these things. And we'll go there real quick. Romans chapter 8 in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can you think of anyone? There is no one. The demons, the devil, all put together, those people that you're struggling with, they cannot separate you 
from the love of God. No matter what they do to you. It says right here as we read this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And you know, if you ever do find yourself one day there, um, maybe there are some of you who are there. Probably not, though. I mean, probably the worst thing for us, you know, uh, for some of you. I, I know some of you guys have been through tremendous, tremendous trials, but others are complaining that they can't find a parking space or something, you know. And no, no. What, when you're when you're a sheep that's being slaughtered, he says right here. Even in that, yet verse thirty-seven. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. When I read the Old Testament and I read about David's men, I read about the mighty men of valor. How many of you guys, just out of curiosity, would have liked to have been in that in that army? Gals too, it's okay, girls. Any of you guys would have liked to be in the, the David's army fighting the battles of the Lord? Mighty men of valor is the equivalent of men of heroic courage. Right here, this is what he's saying. That in all these things, we become men and women of heroic courage. Mighty men and women of valor, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Just like I was telling this guy earlier. I just said, just do me this, bro. Never quit and seek God sincerely. That's all. And you watch what happens. Because nothing can separate us from his love. He says there in verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, that's in reference to demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that, I mean, to me, that's what ends up being the difference. I mean, you don't see a lot of young people serving the Lord nowadays. And I mean, if only they would discover the love of God. You know, older people, or sometimes people do it for a season and then they're gone. When in all reality, you should be not just falling in love with God, but growing in love with God, understanding that love, this everlasting love. Back in Jeremiah 31, 3, with that love, he, he draws us. And, and so in verse 4 of Jeremiah 31, again, I will, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt O virgin of Israel, you shall again be adorned with your tambourines and you shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. And I was going to ask Naomi and Maddie afterwards in in our last song, break out the tambourines, please. (laughs) Uh, Just joking, no pressure, but it's so cool. This is, they're going to rejoice. You shall, yeah, it says in verse five, plant vines on on the mountains of Samaria. Again, that's Northern Kingdom. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food, but, but there shall be a day when the watchmen will cry 
on, on Mount Ephraim, arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. Now the watchmen, they're supposed to be saying, hey, danger, danger, danger. But we're going to see in this context, there's no danger to say. They just say, hey, let's go worship God. Sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. And among them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child, the one who labors with child together, a great throng shall return They shall come with weeping and with supplications. I will lead them. I will cause them to walk. These people who were lame, now they're walking by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel. And notice he says, Ephraim. Ephraim is my firstborn. Now, Ephraim was in reference to one of the sons of Joseph. And it was synonymous for, like I said earlier, the northern kingdom. So we're not talking about 10 tribes that are lost. Absolutely not. This is the entire nation of Israel being restored. And so he says, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles. Now, whenever you read that in the prophetic books, he's talking about the whole wide world. Afar off and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him. And so who scattered Israel? God. He's going to regather them, right? And keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Doesn't that remind you of Mark ten forty five? Right? For the, the Son of Man has come to seek and save those which is lost, and he has given himself as a ransom, right, for many. And therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord, for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young and the flock and the herd, their souls, I love this, their souls shall be like a well-watered garden and they, they shall sorrow no more at all. So obviously it's his future. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with money. No, I'm just going to say that. With, with, with my goodness, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in, in Ramath, lamenta- Rama, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, where have you guys heard that before? Matthew 2, 17 and 18, right over there, when Herod killed the babies because he tried to wipe out Jesus, two years old and under. And so it, it has like an application to that, these women that are re- weeping and refusing to be comforted. But but here, what it's talking about is just the, the crazy place that Israel was in, and especially what they'll be in during the tribulation period. But God says, don't, don't, don't be that way. Don't be one who refuses to be comforted because I will work this for good. God has a future. 
And my friend, Christian, brother, sister, you're loved by God and your future as you simply, just simply follow him is amazing. He says right here, thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children, and I love this, shall come back to their own border. Now, I know he's talking about Israel, you know, but maybe you have prodigals. You might want to mark that verse down and pray it. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and, and I was chastised like an untrained bull. Restore me, and I will return, for you are the Lord my God, and surely after my turning, I repented, and after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated, because I bore the reproach of my youth. You know, the sins they had been disciplined for. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still, and therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. Let me just ask you real quick. Is God done with Israel? No. Is he done with you? No. We have to make sure we know this. Set up signposts. Make landmarks. Set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went. Turn back, O virgin Israel. Turn back to these, your cities. How long will you gad about Oh, you backsliding daughter, for the Lord has created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. And more than likely what that means is it's going to be so peaceful that in one sense, the women, you don't even need to protect the men, but if necessary, yeah, you you ladies can do it. Now, I know that sounds a little sexist. I I know that today's an an egalitarian society. People don't like that. Um, And I do know some pretty tough ladies, right? But what he's saying right here is this basically you don't need to you don't need to freak out. Your future is beautiful, it's peaceful, so much so that you know you don't even need any protection. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, they shall again use this speech in the land of Judah and in its cities when I bring back their captivity. They used to say this, but they stopped saying this, and then they start saying it again. The Lord bless you, O home of justice, mountain of holiness. And there shall dwell in Judah itself and in all its cities together farmers and those going out with with flocks. For I have satiated, what a beautiful word, I have satiated the weary soul and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. You know, there might be someone here tonight, you know, you're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but Manny, to be honest, I am having a hard time. You know, you're, you're weary. And it just reminds me of what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, our job as a church, our responsibility as a church is to point you to Jesus. And I pray that you would go there right here. This is where they ended up going, and God would just give them that, that grace. Now, it's interesting because we're wondering, well, was Jeremiah having a dream this whole time? We don't know for sure. God can reveal in different ways. But we do know in verse 26, 
He says, after this, I awoke and looked around and my sleep was sweet to me. I like that. There's something about that, though, that a good night's rest. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, to destroy, and to afflict, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children suffer the consequences, their teeth are set on edge. No, he says in verse 30, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them or a faithful husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, check this out, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So let me ask you a question. Does God remember your sins? You say, yeah, you say no. What does the Bible say? He chooses to forget your sins. Wow. That sounds crazy, huh? He puts them behind his back. He throws them into the deepest part of the ocean and he puts up a sign that says no fishing, right? That's what God does. In this new covenant that we have, simple faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant, is this absolutely beauty. Not written on stones, tablets of stones, but written on our heart. How many of you know, you know, the Lord's put his word in your heart, in your mind, huh? This is so beautiful. And you may trip, I trip out on this. I'm like, man, why can't the Jews see this? And you want to know why? Because they're blind. They're just blind. For us, it's just so simple. Well, that's so simple that there will be a new covenant. They don't see it. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night. You guys ever check out the sun? The young adults are actually going to go and see the sun rise. And they might stay there for the whole day and see the sun set. No, I was joking. But they'll see the sun, you know, the stars. They're there every day. They show up every day. The moon, the stars, light by night. Who disturbs the sea and its waves roar? The waves are there every single time. Right? The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. I mean, when the sun disappears, when the waves stop roaring and moving, it's then that I'll forget Israel. In other words, God is saying, I will never forget Israel and I will never forget you. If those ordinances depart from me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. 
Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. And watch how specific he gets, because some people, there's a lot of crazy things. They believe it's all symbolic. It's all symbolic. No, it's literal. Literal. This will literally happen. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the city shall be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner's gate. The surveyor's line shall also extend straight forward over the hill, Garib. Then it shall turn toward Goath and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and of the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the house gate toward the east. They shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore forever. So, don't lose heart. So, God's word is true. He has proven it beyond a shadow of a doubt. All we have to do is look at Israel. But since it's true, and since he's so amazing in his love, you know, I want to encourage you, myself as well. Let's seek him. You go back to Jeremiah 29, 11, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You know, and for me, I mean, I like to wake up in the morning and read my Bible and pray, and I like to um, just, you know, the spiritual disciplines. I think that is a part of it. But, but without you know, potentially sounding, you know, blasphemous. It's even more than that. It's talking about love, talking about obedience. You know, lately the Lord's really been, you know, telling me, Manny, you got to be a witness to your children. You got to be a witness to them. I mean, the deep things, you know, that the Lord will show us, the divine details, sensitive to his Holy Spirit. Yes, read the Bible. Yes, Get on your face and pray. But really listen to the Holy Spirit because he will lead you. And he shows us, man, you really, you know, this is it's seeking me. It's very deep. And we got to know this. We got to listen. Because I think what happens, and I think what happened to the church is we just got religious. Just religious. And... Everybody suffers the consequences of that. Your kids do, your friends do, your neighbors do, and you do too. So I pray that God will give us that grace to to make this real.